You are listening to the Academic Success Podcast Series on Bulls in the Cloud. If you hear something you'd like to learn more about or want to dive deeper into what Bulls in the Cloud can offer you, visit our Bulls in the Cloud Canvas page or connect with your Residence Life Coordinator. We hope you enjoy the show. And as always, go Bulls! Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Academic Success Podcast Series. We are excited to have our guests join us today as we talk about preparing for finals week and how to study for final exams without cramming. We are about to dive into a great conversation that will hopefully leave you with some strategies you can use to successfully prepare for your final exams and finish the semester strong. Before we dive into the conversation, I would love to introduce our wonderful guest joining us today. Katie, we will start with you. Can you please share a little bit about who you are and what you do here at USF? Yes, thank you so much. Hello, everyone. My name is Katie Sawyer. I'm the Assistant Director at the Academic Success Center, specifically in the Tutoring Hub. Um, I work with our tutors across a number of different subject areas. I also run our tutor training program for tutors in the ASC, as well as across campus and other departments such as athletics, as well as into and veteran services. I'm so excited to be here as I was also a bull, graduated with my undergraduate in 2007. Um, left for a little bit to get my graduate degree, but now I am back and bull for life. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. We are so happy to have you here as well. All right, Dr. Pirtle, our lovely faculty and residents, please tell us who you are and your role here at USF. Well, good day. I am Dr. Frank Pirtle. I am a faculty member in the Department of Mechanical Engineering. I have been here for now 17 years. Uh, my affiliation with the Housing and Residential Education uh, part of USF is through the Faculty in Residence program. I'm in my third year as a faculty in residence uh, where I live amongst our students and participate in programs uh, designed to build a sense of community and to enhance the uh, student life uh, while they're here on campus. I sometimes teach refresher courses to students uh, in engineering who are preparing to take the fundamentals of an engineering exam, which is an exam that they have to pass in order to eventually become licensed as a professional engineer. And as I said before, I'm a faculty in residence living in Horizon Hall on campus. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Pirtle. It is good to hear from you again, even though I just heard from you last night in our faculty hour. So thank you. All right. And so Paris will be our last guest to introduce herself. All righty. Hey, y'all. I'm Paris. Y'all might know me from What's Poppin' with Paris. I am a student here at USF for now because I'm graduating in a month. Woo-hoo. Um, so yeah, I'm also, uh, my role at USF is I'm a student assistant at the residential for education. So I just assist with that. Awesome. And Paris, can you tell everyone what you're getting your degree in? I will get my BSN. So I'm going to be a nurse. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paris. And we're so proud of you. All right. So now that we've gone through introductions, we'll go ahead and start with some of our great questions. Um, so 
Katie, it looks like we're going to start off with you. So with all of your background knowledge as a student here at USF, gone through your graduate degree and the support that you provide at the ASC, can you tell us some time management and study strategies that students can utilize to avoid cramming and pulling all-nighters? Absolutely. This time of the semester, things can sneak up on us very, very quickly. I would say that I have a couple of strategies to provide. The first is to really get a plan going, a plan that shows the big picture of what you have left in this semester. I typically suggest something visual that you can put where you're going to see it every day. Create a plan of every single due date that you have left for this semester. So those last three weeks, every single paper, every single quiz, every single exam, everything that you have left. We sometimes look at our classes in silos, um, just what I have due for this specific course, and we wanna look at everything, what those last couple of weeks really look like. Once we see exactly what's coming, that way we're not surprised by anything, then we can really start to create a plan and how we're going to complete those assignments as well as put in some study blocks. One of the most common questions that we get is how long should I study for a specific course? And I really wish that there was a magic formula that we could plug in to say, it is this many hours that you need to study. Unfortunately, every one of us is different. Um, what it looks like in those classes are different and how we study for those classes is different. So what can you do to set yourself up for success? The best thing to do is to set up a series of time blocks. Not all time is created equal. If you're gonna look at eight hours in a given week, if you study for eight hours straight in one block, you're gonna get tired, you're gonna be fatigued, you're not gonna wanna study it anymore. And even though it might sound really great, that eight hours, if you take it and break it up into maybe four days for two hours each, you're going to do a couple of things. One, you're going to practice retrieving that information. When you sit for an exam, that's what you have to do is you have to retrieve that information. You have to remember it and you have to apply it. So what you want to do is practice that skill just like you would any other. You want to practice that over a period of days over the course of the week. This is going to let your mind practice that skill, practice that content as you go through. That way, as you get closer, you're more confident in the material and you're really able to do well on that exam. I also suggest time blocking. So let's say you have a couple of hours that you know you want to use. Maybe you do have a five-hour chunk. I would say split that up into a couple of different courses. Maybe do two hours for one course and two hours for another. This is going to prevent that brain fatigue and it's going to wake that mind up and get it going. And you can also use it to your advantage. Maybe do a course that you're really enjoying the content right next to a course that you find a little bit more challenging. That'll help motivate you as you move forward. Again, though, the biggest piece is really creating that plan. How are you planning out these time periods? And you really want to do that again with that visual of what that is going to look like. You want to have that plan set up so you can create those time blocks around what you know you already have to do. Awesome, Katie. Thank you so much for that advice. I wish I would have had it when I was an undergrad. It probably would have made finals week a little bit more easier to navigate. Now that I'm thinking about it, 
I have some final papers due now, so I think I'm going to use that time management system that you gave us. Hopefully, my last few weeks as a student in my classes will go easier. So thank you. All right, Dr. Pirtle, my next question is for you as a faculty member who holds office hours. Can you please tell us why attending office hours is such a great resource and how can students maximize their time during faculty office hours? Okay. Well, I'll start with the first question, which is why are attending office hours such a great resource? Well, you're actually getting an opportunity to talk with the person who is not only teaching the class, but likely grading your exams and is the final decision maker on the grades that are distributed at the end of the semester. So not only this, not only those you know, very obvious things, but also it gives you an opportunity to get additional insight um, uh, to the concepts or the material that's being presented in class. Uh, and sometimes you'll even get to know the instructor a little better uh, because you're spending time maybe in a one-on-one -on -one session or even in a small group session, particularly in the online environment. But it, it also demonstrates to the person teaching the class that you are willing to do something that other students aren't necessarily doing in order to get the most out of the class. I had office hours today. Uh, this morning, I administered an exam at 8 a.m., and it went until 9.35 uh, I had office hours at 11 a.m. from 11 a.m. to 12.30, and I have an, another exam to give in a class tomorrow. I had zero students to show up in my office hours today, and I teach three courses with a total of 189 students this semester, and not one showed up for office hours today. This is the time that I set aside to answer any questions about the class, about their careers, about anything that they want to talk about during that time. And many times I don't get anyone to come in. So if you are a student who makes the decision to utilize those office hours, you would definitely set yourself apart. And certainly at the end of the semester, when final grades are being uh, decided on, and maybe you're 0.1 points from the next grade level up, uh, an instructor would likely take into account, you know, if they remember you as that individual student who came to office hours and was putting in the work to try to get, you know, the most out of the course, which is usually demonstrated through a, a, a grade, uh, then you may get the benefit of the doubt. But if for a student who never shows up to, to office hours and, and is borderline, and particularly borderline with a lower grade, <clears throat> many times that consideration is not going to be given just because there's no establishment of any kind of relationship uh, that might be um, fostered or developed when you visit office hours and seek to uh, use that time to really get the most out of the course. That interaction with the faculty member through office hours is an informal portion of the course and it's an opportunity for you to get much more out of the course. Almost like having a personal tutor with the person who is teaching the class. So. If once you make that decision to actually go to the office hours to maximize the time that you have with that faculty member during the office hours, um, maximizing that time is really going to be uh, uh, done in the best way just by coming with a few questions. You know, what is it? You know, well, how do I work this problem? Or uh, if I change this parameter, uh, 
associated with a problem statement? How would that change the way that I would approach the problem? Coming with those kinds of questions leads into a discussion with the faculty member about things that are um, uh, associated with the course material. You can uh, get a lot of additional insight just by talking and having a few questions that allow for the conversation to, to con continue on. And, and again, those questions don't have to be centered on the material that was covered in class. It can be associated maybe with course material or subjects that are connected to the class directly or indirectly, or just about your career, uh, about your career path, getting some advice on, you know, should you uh, consider taking a job right after you get finish your bachelor's degree, or should you go on to graduate school, ask questions about what his or her um, pathway was to getting into the, um, the, the business of doing academic uh, instruction. Uh, all those kinds of things not only enhance your uh, understanding of the material that might be presented, but it all just also just enhances your experience by establishing relationships with other people who are not necessarily your peers, but being able to then glean from the things that they have to say to hopefully positively impact the trajectory of your of your own career path. So using those office hours, you know, are primarily for uh, reinforcing the concepts that you might get in lecture, but they're also opportunities to get um, more information to help you along in your entire career and, and maybe in in life. So definitely take the time to go and, you know, introduce yourself and, and have a question or two uh, in your pocket uh, for when you arrive at those office hours. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Pirtle. I try to tell my students all the time, go to office hours and they think it's kind of a foreign concept, but I have so many success stories from all three degree programs that have set me up for success. I remember in my undergrad, I failed a final, had a D in the class, ended up with a B. I still talk to that professor to this day, actually. I just emailed her a few weeks ago. Um, I got letters of recommendations from my faculty member in my master's program and going into my PhD program. One of my faculty members wrote my letter of recommendation. And when I spoke to the director of the program, they mentioned that that was one of the highest compliments of my application is that I had a letter of recommendation from a member, a faculty member in the program. But I know that it's because I went to her office hours. We talked. I told her my stresses, my successes. It was awesome. Um, so it's extremely important. And I hope students find the value in going to office hours and also in the world of COVID. It's also somebody to talk to, right? It com creates community um, and allows you to engage. I think, you, Dr. Pertle, I can see you have something else to add. Yeah, and it, it was along the lines when you mentioned the, uh, the letters of recommendation. <clears throat> uh, I get requests from my students to write letters of recommendation, but sometimes I turn them down and I tell them, I say, hey, you know, I serve on committees that review letters of recommendation and getting a generic letter of recommendation is worse than not having one. And I, so I tell them, hey, you know, don't, if you have not established relationship with me and pretty much during this time of COVID, 
The only way to do that is because I'm not taking face-to-face meetings is to do it through my office hours. But you, if you haven't done that, and all I know is that, that I, I had to search back through Canvas to see where you enrolled in my course. And if that's the only contact that I have with you, I can't write you a valuable letter of recommendation. So if you think that you want to go into graduate school or you think you might want a faculty member to write a letter of recommendation for a job, you need to establish relationship outside of just sitting in the class. And so that is definitely a, a big one because I have a student who was who did well in two of the courses that I taught um, uh, during this past year. And he wants to apply to our graduate program. Well, I don't know him outside of a U number for class. And so I can't really write him a good letter of recommendation. Now, thankfully, because he's coming into our department with me just writing a letter is going to be helpful to him. But if he was applying to graduate school somewhere else, my letter would not be a very much benefit because all I can really do is comment on his academic performance in the two courses that I taught, but I don't know anything about his aspirations beyond wanting to go to graduate school because he asked for a letter of recommendation for graduate school. So, you know, if you think you're going to go on and you're going to need a letter of recommendation, you certainly need to reach out to those faculty members uh, whom you think you might ask a letter of recommendation from. So that's a very good point. Awesome. Thank you both. Thank you so much. So now we've heard from Katie with some time management and study tips. We've heard from Dr. Pirtle about how to maximize um, office hours to prepare for final exams. So Paris, as a USF student, what are some ways that you have actually prepared for your final exams? I actually utilize both of what they just talked about, which is kind of funny because, okay, so basically I prepare for my final exams at the beginning of the semester. So as we're going, I'm um, gathering all of our big exams study guides and I'm like putting them in a certain folder. So that way I have like topics that are definitely more than likely going to be on the final exam eventually. And then after that, after my exams, I always go to office hours. If I didn't do too well, office hours are so important. Like we keep repeating this for a reason. And like I, as a student, I'm repeating it because it works. Do it like end a discussion, go to your office hours, utilize them. And so whatever notes I have from my office hours, I like pair those with the specific exams and then once um, I use those to study along as we're coming and then once our final study guide is ready and after that's completed, um, I go to the review and then always go to your reviews, always. And then after the review, well, after I have my final study guide, I usually work through that with friends so that way we can have different um, ways of like mnemonic devices, acronyms, like we help each other out and we always like pick a topic to teach each other because like us teaching other people helps us remember the information better. Well, me and my group of friends. So that's what we do. And then after the review, um, 
which is so important to go to because they'll literally tell you what you need to focus on. So it saves you time on instead of just stressing out and looking over all the material from a semester, you know what's actually important. And so after the review, I usually would just kind of like, I might talk to some friends about certain things I might not understand still like, hey, how do you remember this thing? Or how do you remember that? Just to see, just for other input. And then I'll sit down, I'll, like she said, I don't like to study in blocks. I can't personally study in blocks. It does not work for me. I need like little breaks in between. So in between I'll schedule a little self-care, like working out, working out is great for me. I get to listen to my music and like get away from studying for a little bit. And then I'll come back to studying. And then I just, you know, I, as long as I know that I put in the work and I did the best that I could, like my only outcome will be the best that I can. So just put in the work and do the best you can and whatever happens, happens, which will hopefully be a good outcome because you did the work for it. So awesome. Thank you for sharing Paris and echoing what our uh, presenters have also said. And also, obviously, it works for you as you are clearly on your way to graduating and securing the bag with a job. So thank you for sharing with us all that you do. Also, shameless plug. Paris brought up finals reviews. So residential education does put together finals reviews for a wide variety of topics. Um, if you guys um, visit the USF housing website, there will be a list of our finals reviews for you to attend. Um, we have chemistry, accounting, anatomy, wide variety of sessions that may be able to also help you to prepare for finals. So as we wrap up, I just wanted to ask each panelist to share a little bit of insights on how you, um, maybe Paris have done this yourself, or Dr. Pirtle and Katie, how you encourage students to create virtual study groups. Um, and if students don't know really where to start, are there any places or resources that students could use? Yeah, absolutely. Um, virtual study groups are an evidence-based strategy that we know works, um, that we know when students get together, when they're working together, when they're asking those questions, that they are actively engaged in the content and the material. Um, and by doing that, are able to be able to really understand that material and be able to apply it in novel and different situations. Um, one of the good ways that you can get started, um, if you're looking just for a little bit of information on how to you know, set up that virtual study group, Group, maybe some activities that you can do in that virtual study group. Through the Academic Success Center, we do have study skills mentors that can work with students on anything that's non-content focused. Um, so that can be time management, that can be um, study strategies, memory strategies, um, even that test preparation meeting with a study skills mentor one-on-one, -on -one, you can get started with some things that might set your virtual study group up for success, what you can do during that time to really make it as efficient as possible. I would also suggest reaching out to other students in your class, which can be really, really difficult in this remote setting. Maybe starting by going to office hours and talking to your professor about maybe other students that they know might be interested in setting up um, a study group so that way you can get connected to them. By getting connected to those other students, you can start to set up those time blocks that we talked about earlier and then utilize those resources from that study skills mentor to really set that study group up for success. Well, I would say uh, also definitely uh, look into the courses that you're taking and, and, and see or look for the things that might already be set up. I know that uh, for <clears throat> 
the uh, uh, innovative teaching for through innovative teaching. They have um, templates that we are to use for the development and presentation of our courses online. And one of those features is the um, uh, availability or making available discussion boards. So I have a discussion board that is actually associated with each module uh, of my course, where each module is centered around an exam that uh, will be given over that material. And as part of each of those modules, I have discussion boards that are set up for students not only to study or that they can also form groups to maybe get off and do it on GroupMe or do it somewhere else. But this is a place for them to communicate with each other and find you know like-minded students who want to prepare to do their best. Uh, because I teach uh, engineering courses and, and uh, many of the problems that that uh, they solve require uh, referencing um, tables of data uh, and using that uh, information that they pull from the tables to put into expressions that we use to, to describe different physical phenomena. Uh, one of the, there's so there's a lot of writing and a lot of calculations that need to be done, and so one of the things that uh, I use to to uh, deliver my lectures and that that I suggest that my students use when they are trying to share ideas is to use a Microsoft OneNote, which they can share their screen by Zoom or by Teams or whatever platform they're using. If there's an opportunity for them to be able to share screens, OneNote allows them to write on the screen and share their audio simultaneously. So that way they can definitely be remote, uh, but at the same time share their ideas and share visualizations of their ideas uh, such that everyone can uh, contribute but at minimum, everyone can see what's going on. So uh, I definitely uh, encourage my students to leverage the technology to make it uh, as though they were sitting at a table across from one another uh, on campus or wherever they were uh, going to meet. And, and definitely just take look up, you know, tutoring services or uh, uh, that look up tutor services that are available through the university and also through student organizations that um, um, most of the ones that are uh, have a professional slant to them in, with regard to organizations you might stay a part of once you graduate graduate and you just become a part of the professional society, usually those organizations will offer some uh, tutoring services for free to their members or just to students in general who are in the same discipline or, or have a common discipline in which they have courses that are common and, and those upper level students will usually be available to to help you to you know prepare for finals, prepare for exams, et cetera. So uh, there are resources out there. You just kind of have to look. Uh, but uh, by looking for them and making use of them, um, you can make those virtual study groups much more uh, effective and appealing. So uh, definitely do that. Yep. So basically, yeah, what they said, just um, reach out to the students and figure out if anyone else would be up for creating a little virtual teams meeting and like seeing how everyone's schedule works and whatnot. Maybe right after class sometimes is good for people or like giving a little break in between and meeting sometime after. But yeah, definitely like all you have to do is just reach out. The worst that happens is no one responds, but that's probably not going to happen. You'll find at least one other person that wants to succeed in class. 
Awesome. Thank you all for your advice on putting together virtual study groups. And those are all the questions that I actually have for the podcast. So as we wrap up, I just wanted to tell our panelists again, thank you for your insights. I love these podcasts because I always learn so much. And this is my third time going back to school. So I know that if I'm learning three times around, our students who are doing this for the first time can definitely learn. Um, So students who are listening, if you all have any questions, you can email us at livinglearning at usf.edu. And I will be happy to get back to you with any resources and answers to your questions. Again, thank you to our panelists and be on the lookout for more podcasts. Thank you.